Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I'm your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Eddie Cohn. He is a musician, DJ, podcaster, yoga teacher, and author. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Welcome, Eddie. Thanks so much for having me. You too. I appreciate it. Yeah. So to, I guess to get started, love your setup, love, you know, as far as what you're doing and everything. How long have you been doing music? Well, um, I'm in my mid forties now and I, I, I started playing piano when I was three. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I, I, obviously I wasn't recording, um, you know, music then, but I, I so I, I, I've been playing music for most of my life and it's interesting. I I've been thinking about, um, just lately the, the influence that music has on my life and how it's, it's sort of been there my through, through the, the ups and downs and, and sort of the, the roller coaster of life. Music has really been this ongoing, uh, very, um, just gargantuan part of my life. So I started playing drums when I was 12, but it wasn't until I was in my early twenties when I heard Nirvana and Pearl Jam and and Soundgarden where I, I started writing songs. So I would say that, you know, for the last 20 years, that's when I started to look at music more in a, um, not just to sort of, you know, jam and play the drums and play to other musicians. Yeah, but that's when it sort of became a, a creative outlet where oh let's 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 sing and and write some lyrics and create songs. So yeah, so at the age of three, so where where are you from originally for our listeners? I yeah, guess for us from um, from Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, I started cello when I was five, and I had an older brother, three years older than me, that was playing the cello as well. Yeah, and what what cello is an unusual instrument to. Um, begin playing as a kid what what drew you to cello my mother it was more really it's um i guess a different relationship than a lot of other musicians i was more i look at it more of i was given a choice kind of a you know violin or cello mm. i don't i didn't have a like um i don't think i i did like i'm interested in music or i really want to play i didn't have that same spark like i guess a lot of other musicians but while being in music i did become a music creator as well yeah so, you know I, it's a i didn't love playing cello growing up i played in orchestras had cello lessons um my mom was just kind of i was raised outside of the box originally from mississippi i don't know if i said that um at least for you and the audience some of the audience knows our listeners uh, but um well did you feel like it was um i'm sorry i'm just curious did you feel like at that age that it was, you know, forced upon you to play or, or was it sort of a, I can say, yeah, I can yeah, say, which is yeah. fine. I think, I think yeah. parents, a lot of parents. And I'm grateful. At, yeah. I'm sure. very grateful. It was my cello teacher. Her name was uh, Nadine Derby. She didn't have any kids. So we were like her, her kids as well. Hmm. Um, it was just, it was the foundation to really my whole music lineup i I went to performing arts school uh fifth grade started playing bass guitar fifth grade um sixth grade i started creating music uh, melodies and things like that and i was exposed to a lot of other you know musicians and uh, the learning what a producer is and everything came around college so there was a you know and even in college going into college i was there for pre-vet Right. So I, I, it was only until I think like my sophomore year or maybe like my going into my junior year, I changed my major to music because I just, you know, I wasn't going to survive in bi- biology. Right. Um, was it, um, organic chemistry. Yeah. yeah. It was a, a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I got the creative part. I realized later on in my music you know career that a lot of people don't create and even growing up in the orchestra you we're talking every saturday um orchestra rehearsal so you got cello lessons twice a week private cello lessons twice a week and you got the orchestra for three hours on saturday right so we didn't really get those uh didn't get to check out those um 
Saturday morning cartoons like we wanted to every all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So it was it wasn't a a passion. I was, you know, and I wish I would have practiced a lot more as a cellist, but I became you said from that, from a music producer, singer, songwriter, all of the above, creator wise, even freestyle cellist. I stopped playing cello for seven years and came back to it. And you know, it's a I, I matured more as an as a person. And then even coming back to it, I was able to enjoy, um, enjoy it more, you know, and, and kind of embrace it a little bit. And this still was a, it's, you know, been a little experience with music business or just music, you know, friends in general to where after getting into meditation, I, I kind of start to enjoy the silence a little bit over the, the coming yeah. break that we've had, you know, even like to have the, I had the chance to sit there over the past two years and look and see, okay, where does my music passion come from Mm. or the root of what I do come from? And I kind of, I look back to it like, all right, it's, it's, it was, it's given to me, you know, around when I was five, but I've been good at a lot of things. Is it necessarily something that I just, you know, it's the hamster wheel of, produce the music, write the music, promote the music, you know, and that kind of, I, I got into that world. So yeah, it basically, I was able for 2020, you know, and having a lot of time to look at things, there are no concerts and stuff like that. Just got a chance to look at, at the whole music life and to say, okay, if I can do, you know, if I was to press reset and start everything, you know, what, what would I want to do or what, can I do? And then that's when the podcast, I guess to roll around to the podcasting thing. um, That's when she was already into blogging and vlogging and stuff like that. So, and I guess to combine it and support what she wanted to do as a podcast. And we already had the studio starting off. That's really what made me kind of want to learn from other people outside of music because music has definitely been most of my life. Even when I stopped playing the cello, I was still producing music and singing music. So it was still that whole, you know, um, hamster wheel of wanting to make it, make it, make it, make it, make it, make it. So, (laughs) and um, it it basically, yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think the last two years, I think it's easy to, to um, look past the actual process of, of, creation or, or what brings us joy and happiness. And then I think the thing about, you know, social media, and then when we start doing our own PR and promotion, that becomes something that we really focus on. And I think a lot of us sort of forget the uh, purity of, of why we do things to begin with and, and just the joy and the, and the relaxation and just the passion that we feel, whether it's, you know, writing, singing songs, blogging because you, you feel like you need to express yourself and get your thoughts out there in this very confusing world. And it's, it's nice to, um, I've, I've found the last couple of years, I've been reflecting a lot more about trying not to worry about what people think. Of course, I want people to connect with what I have to say and yeah. sing about or podcast about or write about, but, you know, I think it's easy to get caught up in that. And then at least I've noticed I, I lose track of why I did the things that I do to begin with. Yeah. And I've also, I've also had an experience with uh, street performing in downtown LA and that's a different side of, you know, the music that's really more on dealing with um, people or in general, you know, or just you, you kind of having a connection with a different kind of fan, somebody that walks by and, you know, they, you lift their spirit on their way to work. And, you know, it's more of you see them almost every day because they walk by and they put a dollar in your, in your bucket. And it was, I guess, and for me different, you know, I did really good as a street performer in downtown (laughs) LA. So it's also a, a level of achievement that I know that, you know, a lot of humble or a lot of, a lot of, you know, musicians, they they still can't imagine being able to make a stage out of just a sidewalk. And that's yeah. something that I know that in my music career, I conquered that part. P- 
period. I know that without a doubt, I can go down with my cello and the speaker and probably set up anywhere and rock it like a stage. I can create a stage. Hmm. So that's something, you know, there's no, I can't say there's, I'm definitely coming back to the music as well. Yeah. But the podcast part, you know, the way it just gelled in with everything from, like I said, how it rained on everything. We had to rebuild and the energy just wasn't quite there to do music. But, you know, it was, I still want to record or I still want to, you know, communicate with people or have a conversation. And sure, that's something that, you know, I, I'm using to fuel my music again. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I relate and connect with a, a lot of what you're talking about. I, I think there's a, um, there, there's there, they parallel with, with each other. I, I used to think of myself as only a musician and, and singer. And I think that actually probably held me back, back a little bit. Like that was my primary way of expression. And then I, I, I don't know, actually, I started, I put out my third record and a friend of mine was opening up a restaurant and I've always really been into music. And, and he said, hey, what do you, what do you think about like what kind of music should be playing here? And so we started having some meetings about the type of music in the background. So I started curating the music that should be played at his restaurant and a few other restaurants found out about it and they reached out to me and that slowly snowballed into me DJing. And so then I started DJing in, in, in clubs and bars in Los Angeles and, and it sort of became a natural progression for me just because I love music and, and it's weird. I used to think as a singer songwriter, I, it's not that I judge DJs, but I, I guess I didn't quite understand the art of it. It was just so foreign to me. Uh, but yeah. then I really, I guess it would speak to my ignorance. Then I start to get in there and, you know, start to manip manipulate the music. And I bought some controllers and started to study other DJs. And my mind was just blown away at the creative aspect, the creative outlet and just controlling the energy of the room. And it, it was truly a life-changing experience. And it's something that I actually miss immensely uh, based, you know, from the last two years, Yeah, what's going on. But I think it's important. And then to the podcasting, I think um, these are all outlets. I think we, I, I can't obviously speak for you, but um, there's something about, but I'm sure you feel, feel it's similarly. There's a, oh yeah, something about it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the art of expression and, and, and feeling these emotions inside and and trying to make sense of the world and 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 then of course trying to connect with other people and hopefully other people connect with what you have to sing about or dance about or write about it it's it, it's a way of personal expression but also connecting yeah so what was um your your first project that you kind of ever worked on and what was the um the thought process behind that as a musician as a musician yeah yeah it's i was living in la and i started writing i started writing songs and i was just demoing i had like a four track task cam recorder um, this was before pro tools or maybe <laughs> i actually maybe pro tools was around but i doubt it i think i don't think it was right and i actually probably was i just was clueless about it um, and a friend of mine just liked the sound of my demos and he referred me to a music producer in North Hollywood, Evan Beagle. And, the, you know, I've been doing some home recordings, uh, with the, with the full back. Maybe I did at this point even have an M box, but I, I didn't know a lot about recording, but, uh, we just, these Evan and I met up and he was really into similar music that I was and he liked the way I sung. And, and so we recorded some demos and I gave the demo to a friend of mine that worked at Columbia records. And then we started working on some demos together and I, I kind of had like a development deal and it, nothing came of it with them, but clearly I was, creating something that sounded 
sounded good because people were responding to it. And then that ultimately led to me recording a record with Evan in the next couple of years. And that was, that record was called, if I'm happy it ends. It came out in 2005 and I've worked on it with Bruce Watson, who's a pretty well-known guitar player here. And he's touring with foreigner right now. And um, yeah, that was that. And that sort of created the, again, I've been playing music for most of my life, but that really, cemented the the world of songwriting and production and and in beginning that process what do you think um i guess actually i really want to ask what do you think about uh, los angeles in general because that we didn't get to talk about your transition from here i usually ask you know like where you're from and then let you sure uh, explain how you ended up where you are now because a lot of our guests that we talked to are born somewhere and then they they live somewhere else but yeah, we, I guess we missed that part or to connect no, it's okay. that part. But um, yeah, what was it like when you, how long have you been in Los Angeles? And what do you well, think about the- 20, 25 years now? Okay. I, I obviously, it's weird. Coming from Ohio, I, I came out here for college and, and just getting, I, I had a lot of health issues as a kid and, and I felt, well, warm weather really did me very well. So I was applying to a lot of schools in Southern California and Florida, Texas. Um, I think at first I was a bit overwhelmed at the, you know, the immense size of the city and, and being so far from home. But I think once I settled in until my early, I think when in my early twenties, I really began to, appreciate the the beauty the diversity and now just as an older older man i i really i mean i've loved this city for a long time i I think i've i've certainly not enjoyed seeing some of the you know the the cultural destruction that i feel like has sort of happened here with the homeless just the rise in homeless in downtown is really sad to see and even here on the west side but and the and the, obviously the housing is so expensive, but um, I just I love the, the the culture. I love the different types of people. I love the energy. There's there is something about the energy um, that is indescribable. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, there's yeah. a certain creative. There's a, just a certain creativity in the air where lots of creatives just coming together and expressing themselves. And I, I think it's a, you know, I know that there's stories that you'll read in, in papers where they're saying, Oh, people are leaving uh, and going to, you know, Vegas and, and Texas. And, and I believe it's hard that. to tell by traffic. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, I think this is still, you know, one of the greatest cities in the world. Oh yeah. So what is it like comparison to um, where you're from? Ohio. Yeah. You know, um, you said you're from Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi. Yeah, lots of trees and yeah. I mean, I trees. think reverse from LA. Yeah, same thing. You know, it's okay. lots of yeah. trees. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs, but it, it's. I went back a, about a year ago. My dad was having some health issues, and uh, it's. I think is. I think look, looking back, it, it probably was a really great place for me to grow up. Yeah. You know, just. Um. Because I, I think being a kid in the city, I'm sure, matures you very quickly. And, and I think growing up in a place like L.A. and the big cities kind of take the fun out of the city to a yeah. certain degree. Because it's like they don't have, you know, they love the love it as well, but they don't appreciate it quite as much as people that's not from here. Even like for me, you know, yeah, like you say, not even talking about the people but just the landscape, the beach, the everything around. I love that alone. It's not even, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, not even necessarily about the, the sunshine, you know, it's a, it's a whole energy here and the people make it even better. Of course, the cultures and stuff, you know, they make it better, especially like you said, out West around, you know, Venice looking past the, you know, the homeless situation, but the energy there is it's, it's there, you know, it's a, it's a pretty pleasant energy. You know, I've walked down through there with my mom before. It was funny because it was her first time, actually our second time coming out here, but we walked down through the beach 
and there was this uh two ladies riding the bike and you know one ran into the sand and just kind of fell over a little bit and you know i helped her up and you could tell it was maybe like brunch but but they she'd been drinking a little bit you know yeah. so you know my mom just sat there and watched me you know the lady let me help her and you know she got on her bike and she's holding she's like all right let me get it together okay here we go you ready you know, and just let me, you know, roll her on. And, you know, she was going and she went on, you know, but it's that energy. My mom got a chance to see, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, easygoing kind of. Especially Venice. Like, yeah, Venice. Has that's, a, I always like taking people from out of town to Venice Beach because it just has a different vibe. And it's just like everybody's in their own world and just expressing themselves and just being free and yeah I don't know, and of course we're in back. downtown la so that's we can i can't say look past the homeless part but we we basically that's not what we add to our trip to venice that's going to be there regardless that's not you know you walk down through downtown it's going to be there regardless so it's more being able to see the beauty still yeah. of things and look past that but not ignore you can't ignore it completely because of course because it's it's there but we definitely, you know, that's one of the things that still allow us to enjoy about Venice, even the skate park. The last time we were there, they had the drum circle out there. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, a nice energy, you know, but we could say Laguna Beach is our favorite beach. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, that's where we go to snorkel. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Now, do, are you into any beach activities out here? You know, I mean, I obviously I love the beach, um, but I mean, I love to swim. Uh, I'm I'm really into exercising. Okay. Pretty much every day, you know, teaching yoga and um, and we just got a Peloton bike at home, which I absolutely love. So I, I and we you know we do hill sprints and I'm a big swimmer. I go to the pool like four times a week. Okay. Um, and I just I like going to the beach for sure, but. Uh, I'm not a surfer or water skier or anything like that, but I certainly love to be active. How'd you get into teaching yoga? I think I, I'm, I practiced for a long time. I, I started maybe 20 years ago and I just got the sense that I needed to add something to help with the anxiety that I, that I feel or felt. And I'd say about eight years ago, I, a friend of mine suggested, she was just like, you know, you've got a really good voice. And I think you could make a really good yoga teacher. And, you know, you uh, just have this certain energy about you. And so I, I, I took a teacher training and, and with, with Tamal over at Yoga Salt in Culver City. And I really, really enjoy it. I, I think it's, a, again, another source of inspiration it inspires a lot and I, I like creating an atmosphere in a, in a yoga room where people are relaxed and i certainly love adding the right music to the playlist and it's it's just it's, it was obviously I, I taught a lot of taught a lot on zoom the first year of the pandemic and then a year ago i broke my ankle so mm. i i'm fine now but I, I've, I i took a little hiatus from teaching but i'm i'm looking to get back into it again yeah, I'm still waiting to get to the level of yoga where I'm relaxed. <laughs> it is really hard. Yeah, Every, everybody's like, oh, it's a very relaxing, you know, exercise. But I'm like, I'm sweating the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But it is at the end of it, of course, yes. you feel it. And it is, you know, you meditating afterwards is my favorite part because I don't yeah. know, it's just a lot easier after yoga. But All of the energy kind of just relaxes. I guess you're too tired. Yeah. 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 But it is definitely a full workout for me. Yeah. Well, it takes time, it's just like anything, you know, years of practicing yeah. and, and even the end the meditation the shavasana you know you just it's hard to, you don't just i guess people do i mean you, you can't just sit down and start meditating uh, but it, it i think it the yoga better, yeah, yeah the yoga sort of frees the brain and slows the mind down a little bit and gets you to relax and then it's easier to to chill out it, it but it, look it, especially now with 
all the distractions and the technology, it's, it's hard to relax. <laughs> so how do you think um, the music industry has been affected with the whole change of, you know, the pandemic and everything? Well, I mean, which, what part or what, um, what more specifically? Even like with, um, from concert requirements, um, as far as, you know, mandates to have certain, um, certificate or certificates just to get into concerts or even just the whole industry together. You know? Yeah. Have you, have you noticed any change even just from the, well, I guess music or filming or anything? Gosh, it's, um, I think it's complicated. Yeah. You know, I think well, it, during the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, obviously a, a lot of us were just moving to Instagram lives and doing performances on Facebook. So that was a big shift. Um, you know, cause for I, me personally, I could say that's one of the things I did think about when everything was going on and the whole, um, when things start moving again, it's just not going to be the same music program. And you would have that other one factor of, um, I guess being vaccinated to enter a concert or even just that whole system would never be the same and it would come, you know, it was already kind of a, um, I guess, you know, you had your, your gatekeepers. So it's still hard to get to a certain level, I guess, in, in the industry yeah. with, with before that. So do you see that as, you know, for, I could say for me personally, it definitely made me go back to the drawing board and say, you know what, let me look into something that I don't maybe have to, go perform into in front of a big crowd yeah you know, maybe i, I think i mean i think it's head. harder now for artists to make a living than ever before and i think this this is pre-pandemic i think uh, and this is a lot about what my podcast is about i i think we need to live in a world where artists are appreciated for their work and and beyond just you know a, a like on a facebook platform I think people have been retrained to not pay for art. And I think the streaming platforms have created that. I think uh, Netflix and, and HBO Max by charging only $5, $10 a month for a large quantity of, of shows, but many of them, you know, what's, what's happening to quality? What's happening to, you know, the gatekeepers out there that are, that are picking and selecting shows. I mean, we are re so hev heavily reliant on algorithms now to do the picking and choosing for us, as opposed to, you know, a film critic from New Newsweek. Granted, they're still working at Newsweek, but is anybody paying attention to them? I mean, people are just turning to Rotten Tomatoes and looking at a number. And if it's like 95 or higher or 80 or higher, oh, I'm going to watch that show or that movie. I think, I think it's complicated. I, I think yeah. artists you know, just, just Spotify paying 0 0.003 or four of a cent for every stream. Um, I think music companies are not paying as much as they used to, to get music in TV shows and movies. I think it's, it's a strange. And they can pay more. Of course they could. Yeah. yeah. But again, they, but they also know the producers know of the show. Well, if this person's not going to do it for $500. Well, I know somebody else that will, you know, even though that person may have made $5,000. Um, it's just, it's really been an evaporation of appreciation and uh, of, of what is art worth? What is an article worth? You know, what, you know, again, writers are, People aren't reading newspapers anymore. It's why so many newspapers are going out of business and a lot of writers are moving to Substack, which on one hand, it's encouraging because some people are paying for it, but it's it's really, we are witnessing and, and sort of in the midst of this collapse and rebirth of of art. And, and, and I don't quite see the full rebirth happening. I mean, I know we have NFTs now and I know we have Substack, but still... The percentages that I see and the people that I speak to and the articles that I read, it's there. It's under one percent of artists are making a, a living wage through art. So it's it's it's. I think 
complicated, but I think a lot of it is, is that our cultural appreciation for what artists do and cultural appreciation for art in general, you guys may disagree. I, I just think it's, it's not what it used to be. No, yeah. I, I, I can agree with you because even as a street performer, I've learned, you know, I was out there, I kind of got a on the ground, you know, mental view of kind of just what, what's going on in regular people or even just people in general from middle class, poor class, rich class, homeless people, a homeless guy will walk through there and pull out whatever he has in his pocket mm. and will drop it in there if he can't. Uh, just out of understanding the ritual of there's a person performing an art, let me be grateful somehow, even though I may not, you know, if even if it's just a trinket or something, I can just drop something yeah. in there like everybody else is doing. And you could have a guy that's filthy wealthy or anybody, a, female, a lady that's filthy wealthy, walk through there and just uh, whatever. And I walk right on by. And then you have, you know, I've had somebody right there, period, drop $500 in my cash app. Hmm. But it's also hard to get any of those people that are quickly drop some money to press subscribe. Right. You know, so <laughs> and with the, all of the signs and everything, it could be the cash app sign, uh, Venmo sign, uh, YouTube, Spotify. And it's easier to get them kind of to drop money in a certain way than to press you know subscribe and, and it's 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 a weird some it's it's weird to figure out i'm grateful for the money you know the subscribes could go a little longer but just to think about the whole you know the whole plate everything from the psychology of people what do they value music wise some people yeah. drop a hundred dollars some people drop twenty dollars some people drop two dollars and say hey can you play this and if you can't do it it's like oh well can you why don't you do this you know and feel like oh i dropped two dollars in your bucket and you know you see it from different yeah. people you know so many different people so for me i kind of you know it's 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 a weird it's a weird puzzle I mean, you bring up a good word that I think about a lot is just, you know, value. What, what do people value anymore? You know, it's really interesting. Uh, and, and, and what do we take for granted? Um, I, I think it's something that I think a lot just with tech and, and smartphones and social media and apps. I think people are so drawn to the quick fix titillation of the dopamine, the attention, uh, but I think we take a lot of other things for granted. And I think we do take artists work for granted. Um, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's so interesting to me what sort of the shift in, in our culture. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't. I it's am. not even just the people, even like I said, I've had my certain experience with music artists, recording artists period. I've as a, having a whole recording studio with the ability to record and, you know, record for artists or help them through a project. I've helped artists do projects and at the end they still self-destruct, hmm. you know, and it's, so it's not, it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than, I guess with certain artists, it could be an ego thing, but when it comes to people, it's also an ego thing. I've kind of addressed a lady or not, can't say a lady, but I've, I've brought notice to, somebody dropping money in my bucket from street performing out of ego yeah. hmm. you know, because after i'm no longer a street performer and i want to say thank you you don't pay me any attention yeah you don't give me the opportunity to even say thank you when hmm. i know i've had other people that have dropped more than you have and they've turned around and hired me to perform at their place yeah and to notice the difference between I was an ego thing. So the ego rides, and I can say it even for myself, I know as a musician, my ego has been there. And when I detached kind of from music or to take a, took a break from it last year, I fell in love with um, silence because mm. I've been, I have to, you know, had to practice, got to listen to something. You got to, you always have, when dealing with music, you either got to, hear the song in your head that you want to make so you rarely ever allow yourself time to kind of completely turn off at least i yeah. didn't so when things kind of happened and it was like okay i'm gonna take a break from doing music and she was 
she's my wife, happily mm-hmm. married. If I'm doing a music project, she supports, she's my tech. She yeah. supports. So if I'm doing anything music wise, she's a part of it too. So even when I took a small break, okay, now she's, she can take a break from it as well. And getting into the silent part, able to all right, meditate a little bit more and, you know, I don't have to think about a song. So if I want to put on some headphones and listen to some music, it's like, you know what? I won't. Yeah. And it over, it took, it was hard, but over, over time, I just, I've become a like, okay, I feel good. Just not doing music for now. Yeah. Cause it's very ingrained in me, but for now I'm very much at peace with it. But the podcast thing is, it had to, it's the other outlet because the music yeah. creativity, oh, it's building up. It, it's definitely yeah. building up. So the podcast is something that helps. And I'm able, this is one of the first times I'm, I'm kind of focusing on one thing as well. Cause when you're doing the music, you got to focus on a lot of different things. I was also doing photography, trying to, it was more of a, a different type of make it hamster wheel, make it, make it got to do this, yeah. you know, you're sleeping. Why are you sleeping? You shouldn't be sleeping because, you know, that type of hamster wheel that the industry puts you on. You got to be putting out music, doing this and putting this. And after turning it off, it just it made so much more sense. And we even were doing um, we we've released American Gypsy soundtrack that go mm-hmm. along with the kind of with our blog, with our podcast, with our YouTube channel. And we put our videos on it. So it's just instrumentals but it's also a project that I release along with my soundtrack I mean, right. with, with our podcast. So I'm looking, I still have to, you know, continue that I'm looking to do volume two. So even over this time, the creativity is, is building up, but the break from it has been mental, so much mental clarity and being able to see, and it's, I guess the break from the world, because that's what this whole pandemic thing kind of did. And it's helped. It's allowed me to kind of look at and ask myself, why do I do music? Hmm. And, but still to be grateful for every, because my life has most kind of been built off my music career from a lot of things. So it's made me, I'm very grateful for it. And like I said, it's, it's, it's something that I feel like a lot of people do need i want to inspire people with my music because it's the, it's the same circle i don't know if i'll be a cello teacher but i do want to inspire people to to still do music i don't know if i, yeah. I can't really say i agree with the industry because if you're not mental mentally ready to deal with the music business or just the whole hustle the drive the new you know the new world of music that's there it'll break you. It's broken a lot of people, you know? So that's just the music business. That's not even the city. You come to LA has nothing to do with the music business. It'll break you in its own way. <laughs> yeah. LA will chew you up and spit you out. I've seen a lot of people well, leave. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, and I think when you, again, I, I just think when you add business, when you add money to something that is, you know, a pure, a pure art form, uh, it gets, it gets complicated. And then it's like, who, who is, what is the value, you know? And then, you know, Lady Gaga clearly is an amazing singer. She's an amazing performer. Um, but she also has a huge team behind her with, with, you know, that are, that are all paid a great salary and, and they're pumping her out and, and, you know, is there another Lady Gaga in the world? I'm sure there is. Uh, I mean, you know, there's millions of people out there that have incredible talents, but, you know, what leads one to have more, quote unquote, success than, the, than another? I, I think it's just the thing about art and life, it, it's weird. It's, it's, you know, if you want to be a doctor, well, clearly you need to be a great doctor, but, uh, you know, you go to medical school. You, you get your degree, you, you practice, and, and sure, you, you've got to be really good, but there's sort of a system to become a great doctor or become a, a lawyer. But when you're dealing with the arts, uh, much of what happens is almost 
up to the heavens. It's it's yeah. up to fate and, and luck, and and it's sort of a a strange world to to live in if if your success, quote unquote, is granted by you know the higher power by by who you meet or luck. It, it's not a validation. Yeah, it's not a systematic equation like it is to you know go to medical school. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully that'll change hopefully that'll get better eventually and i could say music is it's it's taking a different you know vibrational turn in general different genres have you know some genres are still as strong as ever and yeah some are you know are not as strong as ever but the whole platform of, or the whole playing field of musicians in general oh yeah it's a it's a hard life yeah. yeah. It's it's harder than comedians. I could tell you that. Mm. Yeah. I think the the musician life is harder than comedian life. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I I I I'm sure that's really dang hard too. I guess my I'm not trying to disagree with you, but I I think uh Well, no, know, maybe not. It's hard. Maybe not. It's hard for everybody. Okay, yeah. It's well, no, it's it's not. Actually, I take that back. It's not harder than music life because, yeah, the comedians, they have to st st catch up on stage. And it's a, some musicians can, you know, they can make it as far as in have one song pay for a good amount of time. Yeah, comedians do have to really hit that grind, that stage. And it's not as much pay, but it's a peril. It's, you know, it's a tough struggle for both. Yeah. I, I mean, there, I there are more people trying to be musicians than comedians and that's kind of i guess why i right. could look at it that way yeah yeah because you definitely meet more people out here trying to be um musicians more musicians than you meet comedians yeah yeah i respect anybody that uh oh man so much respect puts, puts themselves out there whether it's you know through film or dance or or, or comedy getting on stage. I mean, it's just, it's not easy to, to, I, it's just, yeah, it's not easy to get up there and, and tell a joke or get up there and grab a guitar and sing in front of people. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And even coming in being a beginner podcast doing public speaking, this is, it's hard too. You know, I got much respect for the people that's been talking all of their life and still doing podcasts or just, you know, just public speaking in general. Yeah. Absolutely. Something I'm still, you know, knew at <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i i listened back i i podcasted it's been like two years now and i listened back to my first 10 15 episodes and, and they're i look i'm judging myself by saying they're terrible <laughs> but clearly i'm not doing a very good job and i i'm swearing mm -hmm. and I, look i use swearing in my real life but it's i i, I think it's about though like though. expressing frustration or anger without relying on profanity. And that's something that I think about, like by instantly saying, you know, the F word or saying something, it's, I guess your emotion could come out and you could express something or how you feel earnestly about something, but is you're, there you're a way- You're okay to cuss on here as well. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I mean, I, but I think about that. Like, you know, it's, you know, just, is there a way of saying like i'm fucking really angry without saying that word or you know is there a way to emote emotion or passion about something without relying <laughs> on just profanity I don't, I don't know something that I, I i guess i've really as i look back to when i started podcasting to your point of public speaking and just speaking succinctly uh, and clearly you know it's it takes time it's just like anything right as a person that doesn't say it a lot then it makes sense when you say it those few times to That's really true. express how you mean. But if you're basically expressing every emotion with right. man, fucking and fucking, you know, it's, <laughs> then yeah, you're wearing it down. That's mostly, you know, I don't, I can't take you serious. I, th I thought yeah. you didn't mean it. You know, I didn't think it meant that much to you because you, <laughs> you know, that's say, actually, you know? yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's some, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, but yeah, if you, need to express it at that point yeah because we've had on other podcasts as well you know where yeah they're talking straight and then they say something like oh wait i didn't can we cuss he's like but yeah you needed it to express that you know and that's 
Yeah, that's knowing the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, but we did think about our first season the same way you thought about <laughs> yours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's and I think to your point, you know, if it's used sparingly or or you you know used to really emphasize a point, it actually works brilliantly. It certainly yes. can be very emotive. And but yeah, I think to rely on that. Uh, and just using it over and over again does it, it is tiresome after a while. Yeah. <laughs> I still like listening to somebody like Gary V though. It's still funny yeah. that he yeah. uses so many F words of his <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, that's it it comes along with life, yeah, adulthood, you know, movies and things like that. And you know, this isn't for kids. But how yeah. how do you feel like the NFT world will help artists or, you know, just from change anything, period? Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I'm I'm like slowly, very slowly getting a little bit educated about, you know, digital art, the digital landscape. And it feels like some artists are getting pretty lucrative deals and making pretty lucrative amounts of money. But, and I think any way that, you know, the blockchain can bring profits to artists work, I think obviously I'm all for, but that world, and I have a friend who's really entering it and learning as much as he can about it. Um, I, I just, it, it's weird. I'm a slow mover when it comes to, um, adoption and, and creation. And, and, you know, I just finished a book and, and I, I, um, the idea, and I want to get better at writing and I want to get better at speaking. And so it's like, do I want to go down that world of NFTs also when I'm still have so much more to learn about these other crafts and pursuits? It's, it's a lot. So I, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't know where, where I stand yet. So tell us a little bit about your book. What inspired you to write a book? Well, the book is called SSAFY, Sexy Spiritual as Fuck Yoga is what SSAFY stands for. <laughs> um, it's a satire. And I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm glass half empty here, but I just became struck by our culture's addiction to tech and and dopamine and instagram and social media and and our values and as a yoga teacher i also started to see a lot of yoga teachers using social media uh, quite extensively and and i believe our culture is becoming so addicted to attention in tech, and I think social media is also creating a world of narcissists where people um, are only talking about themselves and they don't know how to listen. And I, I, I really appreciate this discussion that we're having right now because we're talking and listening and, and it's a give and take. And so often in my life, I see people that they're talking and then when they ask me a question, I can just see that they're not paying attention and they're not listening. And so I, felt like, you know, I'm going to, and if yoga teachers are also using social media, and to me, yoga is about tuning out distraction, distraction. tuning out the phone, turning off the phone, listening to your own voice, listening to your own breath. You know, part of the reason I love taking a shower is because there's no distractions. It's just me cleaning myself and listening. And my, my head is always racing with thoughts and ideas. And to me, those are the moments when we really grow and we really connect with our own voice. And that's when we come up with our ideas and that's where we create from. And, and if we're constantly just consuming, if we're constantly, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. If we're constantly listening to, you know, five hours of podcasts all day, if we're just watching Netflix all day and playing video games all day and, and on social media all day, when do we actually have a moment to breathe and take a break and relax and think for ourselves? And so knowing all of that, I came up with this this story about uh, the yoga world, and and I, it's something that I feel very passionate about yoga. And so, yeah, I I started writing it about three and a half four years ago, and 
I've never written a book before. It was the most painstaking, challenging <laughs> process creatively ever. Uh, but I, I, the first, I'm, the first draft was terrible. But I gave it to a friend of mine who, whose wife uh, runs a publishing company, and they both thought it was really funny, but it needed a ton of work. And so, and this was after pitching it to agents who. Again, very similarly, they thought it was good, but it just it needed tons of work. So they were willing to take it on. And I worked with their editor and we flushed it out. And, and again, this was a year and a half process of, of taking it to that next level. Mm. Um, but I think it's really good. I think it's really funny. I think it brings up a really interesting point about our world. And, and it officially, it doesn't come out till May on Amazon and like Barnes and Noble, but I, I am selling advanced copies now just, you know, okay. through uh, Instagram and then the website SSAF Yoga well, should be up in like a week or two. But yeah, I'm just, it's again, I, I'm, it's another form of expression. I'm really excited about it. And I really believe as a yoga teacher, we need to think of ways to turn off the noise. Yeah. It's really hard though, because, even the example you get because well okay like i like social media to promote the business even for a yoga teacher right like say they have a yoga studio and they want to promote their classes and like where do i go and everything says promote on social media and this is for anybody even for us i struggle like i don't like scrolling through social media but i like using it to promote but it's really i don't like what it's doing to people and just the the energy of it i i don't i don't like it but i feel like i have to do it but at the same time it just sometimes it just gets to me and i have to turn it off but then i'm like am i doing a bad job as a as a business person like promoting my stuff or promoting his stuff like it's it's hard it's yeah i think it's the greatest uh, paradox of our lives where, and I agree with you, you know, I think because of what's happened to the art world and, you know, the record labels, it's creating a world where artists have to not only create, but they also have to promote. And I think it takes a very specific type of person who is not only good at creation, but is also really good at bringing attention to themselves. And I think a lot of people, um, I think there's a certain, I think the introverted artists, the ones that are quiet, I think they, they're having a hard time with this landscape because it is forcing introverts to be extroverts. It is forcing people to talk about themselves. And, and I think, um, you know, that's, that's not an easy world to navigate, especially if you're introverted, especially if you are an artist who, who, who by nature are often very soft-spoken and, and, and very um, unsure of, of how to sell themselves. It's, it's, it's complicated. So I think, uh, I think a lot of people are feeling that, what, what you're feeling, Gypsy, and what I'm feeling. And then I think it's, it's, it's um, I think for me, it's, I get a little frustrated because I, I can see human to human interaction dwindling and it's evolving and it's changing and i see people more comfortable texting and sending dms and i'm i think part of the reason why i created the podcast is because i do really thrive and crave um talks and conversations i like i like Human hearing interaction yeah but i and i like again back to my original point of of hearing i love hearing people's voices like that really i feel the vibration in my in my chest i mean sure i hear it in my ears but when you two talk to me it 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 creates a connection yeah it's a vibration yeah you think there was like any hope even you know in a place like downtown or not downtown la but just in la in general you have millions and millions of people for hope for businesses to be able to get to a point to where they can you know promote whether it's flyer or a business card or anything mm -hmm. like that and still stand a chance without having to be on social media. That's really, I think about it myself sometime, even just to promote the podcast, you know, we have cards. I just sometimes want to just, and it's from my old music hustle. Even when I was in Mississippi, 
I would go out. I used to print up CDs and, you know, write on the CD. You know, I would hand out CDs. I've printed up hundreds of CDs. So I've had that, you know, hustle side of that. So even just to think about it, even Instagram won't really, you know, show when you post on Instagram, you have a hard time for them. You usually have to have your stuff sponsored or they're not really showing your followers who, you, you know, unless you already have a massive following, but they're not really showing your followers, your posts. So certain to reach or to even to build, you know, like you said, to not use social media, what would be any other hope of promoting a business in the, in a time like now, even when, you know, physical contact is dwindling or, you know, human interaction yeah. is dwindling. Well, it's, it's, Sorry, my my cat just walked in, so he might start meowing. Well, it's a good que- it's a good question. I and I think about it a lot. I think uh, I think we need to think about products. Like part of the reason why I you know I've sold like sixty. Hey, Leo, I've sold like sixty copies of my book in the last week, and that actually gave me that gave me it's given me hope that people are still willing to pay for a book, you know, it, it, it like, I think as an artist, you know, when you say businesses, it's, it's weird. Like if you're a law firm, you know, if you're an accounting firm, if you're a, you, you probably don't have to rely on social media, but you know, if you are providing a service, if you're a physical therapist, or if you're an artist, I think it's really important to think of, of a product, like a book is a product that I can sell. And, you know, if you're a physical therapist or a chiropractor, that's a service that you can sell. Um, So I think it's really important to think about, I I don't think the world thinks of songs as products anymore. I don't think they think of poems as as products or or articles. Like, Like people don't think of articles as something, why should they pay for the New York Times if they could go to Substack or somewhere else and and, and get it for free. I, I think it's really important to think about your, your work as, and that's why NFTs has sort of created a, you know, it's, it is a product. So I think it's really important to think about um, what you can sell. And, and I think you, you probably will always have to rely on Instagram or social media. And I, I do toy with boosting posts and trying to tap into new audiences. I think that is important to play with. Again, I think you do need thousands of dollars to really make a dent because I have a friend who works for a PR firm and you know they're pumping thousands and thousands of dollars a week promoting their products for brands. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, comp- it's, you know, it's complicated, but I, I think it's important to think about other resources you know if you're an artist can you teach something do you have and that's why the podcast is potentially a great idea because you're providing information for people that may inspire or get them to think of the world a different way or maybe they connect with what i'm saying or with what you're saying so they're going to then want to continue to see where you go and what you want to create so it it, it's a it's massaging the landscape in a different way yeah I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. But. No, it makes no, sense. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, you definitely would have to have some sort of a product. Because, yeah, um, like the the whole, like you said before, I think tech and the whole idea of Spotify and and Netflix, it's like, yeah, they don't think of it as a product. I never thought of it that way. Like, it's kind of removed you know, once it went digital, because we buy like digital books and digital PDFs of some course or something, but with music and articles and certain things, it's become like people don't think of it as something you should buy. It should just be free or yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, a it's weird definitely turned into just a, a download or listen to versus a product. I it's, it's funny though. I do remember. When I finished my first CD, I was handing out CDs and I was handing out cards and there was like down at the Troubadour and on Santa Monica <laughs> Boulevard. And, and, and there was something about that interaction that was so peer to peer and wonderful. And, and, 
and yeah there it's it's i miss that and and i think you did even ask me you know will that come back or uh, i don't know it's it's i think it's the still pandemic alive at venice <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I do think the pandemic, there's a lot of negatives that I've seen from it. But one thing that I'm, I'm discouraged by is it, it it has sort of created even more reliance on, you know, screen time. And, and, yeah. and, and again, I, I do think back and, and lament those days when I would hand out CDs or cards to promote a show on, on Sunset Boulevard. And, and those were beautiful, beautiful times. And I, I love that, that, face-to-face interaction yeah it's definitely bill's character yeah for sure like bill's been, connection been hearing a lot about like screen time and the dangers of it but it's like <laughs> for a person like me it's like i I'm, i do web development so i spend time there on the computer there and I do social media promotion, spend time on the computer and I do like everything is revolving around the computer, even for work and for play and all of it. So it's, it's, it's a, it's hard to get away. Yeah. From. Yeah, it really is. They have made it hard to get away. Do you guys like have a, um, <clears throat> do you guys have like a, like no phone after 9 p.m. or no phone on Saturdays or anything? Do you do, you do that? Or? Um, it should no. be when we go to the beach, we should do there that. There are more. times where, yeah, whenever we go to the beach or we go rock counting. Yeah, when we go rock counting. Oh, cool. you know, four to six hours of you're not even no thinking phone. about your phone, you're not looking at anything. Yeah, um, no service. Yeah, and you're out in nature. <laughs> do you go to like Joshua Tree or where do you go? It's um kind of around in the Southern California area. Yeah, okay, cool. we've been several places. We've been to Joshua Tree. Yeah, Joshua Tree. We love that Palm yeah. Spring area. Um, we've even been to Georgia. We went to a mine over there, and um, oh wow, they had rose quartz and tourmaline over there. There's a few spots I have on my list that I want to okay. definitely yeah. go to. Well, we definitely. Have to implement some type of most people don't know what we're break. talking about when we say <laughs> rock hounding, so I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, before we get ready to close it out, because your cat is letting us know, like, he's been oh, here no, long enough, cool. you guys know he's up right <laughs> there on the screen, man. So oh, yeah, funny. yeah, well, got like, giant, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, funny. yeah. <laughs> I, didn't see I, I thought I saw him leave the room. Yeah, well, he probably did. But yeah, it's, every time, I, whenever I'm in here recording or doing podcast stuff, he always walks in. He just knows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go ahead. But what are some of the um, the links and um, where our audience can check out some of your material and stuff like? That? Yeah. Um, well, Eddie Eddie Cohn uh, on Spotify. I just put out a record in October that I'm I'm really proud of. I produced at home. I mean, obviously, we recorded the drums. Um, uh, the drummer's Jake Reed. He's an LA-based dr- uh, drummer. But Eddie Cohn um, on socials, on so- uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, of course, Instagram, Twitter, websites, IamEddieCohn.com. And uh, release date of your book? The book's May 1st or May 15th. They haven't decided yet, although you can message me on Instagram. Uh, send me a Venmo for $20 and I'll mail you the book. Um, but the website... Will be ssafyoga.com. That should be up in the next couple of weeks. But I am Eddie Cohn is the website right now. Um, the podcast, which you can connect to also through my website, but it's called The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. And um, yeah, I've had some great guests and a lot of great discussions and where we talk about art and the world and creativity. And it's it's been it's been it's been great. Definitely. And it's, it's definitely been a great conversation. Um, I've, I've gathered a lot of information and really appreciate it. Your of time course. Likewise guys. Yeah. Well, it's, you guys have another podcast that, that you're going to be doing tonight also right after, correct? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Nice. You guys just like lining them up. <laughs> <laughs> we try to yeah. limit it to per day at the moment. Yeah. Oh gosh. So that's, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely have, rolled into its own little thing like i said it's just kind of we weren't expecting this so we're just kind of waiting to pull our head up and yeah see how and 
when will this when will this will you email me or when does this go live yeah um we'll email you everything once it once it goes live yeah um it'll be we're about 10 days at the moment Oh, okay yeah great i was thinking like a week or two or three weeks yeah no 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 worries i was just curious yeah, yeah. we try yeah. to get them out but we've been you know we're on release schedule for probably about five days out of the week so you, <laughs> you'll see yeah. them re- releasing and coming out as we as far as as we get them out nice but thank you to our listeners um thank you for pressing like thank you for listening thank you for following uh, you can find us at americangypsy.com you can find all the episode audios videos uh, information about the guests uh, as well as links to our merch at luamli.com and we have music also have music under classic carpenter that's k-l-a-c-c-i-k c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a and that's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Tidal, all major platforms, all major platforms. And thank you again, Eddie. It's been a great conversation. We definitely love to um, have another conversation in person, hopefully. uh, Yeah. Either have you come into the studio and, you know, we have a, a, another recording and thank you to our listeners, to everybody. Um, Consistent self-improvement and peace. peace.